Welcome to the Soma Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We hope what you hear fills your heart with hope and purpose. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and share it with friends. Here's today's message. Back in 1982, there was a one-child policy act that began in China. Um, And essentially, it was a propagandized um, policy that they said would help their economic stability because the population was just growing in leaps and bounds and they couldn't control it. And so they implemented a one-child policy stating that you could only have one child. And so it wasn't uncommon in those days for forced abortions, babies to be left in landfills, um, people found government uh, found violating government policy by trying to have more than one child imprisoned, and many, many other horrible acts that you can imagine. It was common to find the remains even of babies in landfills, and there were multiple forced abortions. You may not know this, but there's over 21 million people who are right now trapped in the tra- trafficking trade worldwide, meaning that The days of slavery in our nation and in our world are far from over. In fact, in our nation alone, right now statistics tell us that there are at least 10,000 children that will be sold illegally in the United States. In 2014, it was estimated that trafficking has pulled in $99 billion. Let's get a little closer to home. Ohio is considered ground zero for the opioid epidemic, devastating the nation. There was 3,050 deaths in Ohio due to opioids in 2015, ranking Ohio the number one state in the nation for opioid deaths. And things haven't slowed down since. In fact, there was 4,293 deaths in 2017, a rate of 39.2 deaths per 100,000 people, compared to the average national rate, which is half of that, 14.6 deaths per 100 people. I share those statistics with you because I wonder if there's any doubt in our minds today that we live in a dark, dark world. If by chance here in this service tonight you are tempted to think that that darkness only persists outside and that that darkness isn't inside of even yourself, let me remind you of of an ancient, ancient allegory that was given a long time ago by a guy named Plato, which I believe does somewhat describe the human condition. He gave an allegory of people who were chained to a cave, um, a society of people who lived inside of a dark cave that were chained to a wall, whose only light came from a distant, distant opening in that cave opening where once in a while things would fly by or walk by, casting shadows on the cave wall near the people so that they could see it. They would grasp for these shadows, and they would never be able to touch them, and it became what they knew as reality, the only thing that they knew as reality. But one day, a guy realized that there must be more to life than this, and he checked his chains and realized that he actually wasn't chained to the wall, that it wasn't actually locked, and he freed himself. By the way, I think that's a powerful analogy in and of itself. How many people do you know that might be trapped and imprisoned by something that they can find freedom from? And so this guy decided to venture outside of the cave where slowly but surely he went closer and closer and closer to the light until he finally saw that those things that were making shadows actually had a real form. And it was there that he recognized reality for the first time and saw things the way that he was supposed to see them. 
Any of you have been born again and you've come to know Jesus, you know that experience of seeing the world one way and then finally having your eyes open to the light of Jesus Christ and him changing everything. In fact, the Bible declares that that's who we are without Jesus, that that we are blind, that we are stumbling in the darkness, and that we are lost. And I know that may not sound very encouraging, but here's the good news. There is a light. Amen? Amen. There is a light. A new light has dawned. And since Jesus has come to this earth, the world no longer has to rest in darkness. In fact, the Bible says that when there was nothing but darkness, God spoke and he said, let there be light. God has always been sending the light to precede anything that has ever happened in this world to to cure its ailments. And the Christmas story is is no different. The Christmas story is replete of this motif, this idea that, that when there's difficulty and when there's hardship, there is light. I'll go into that in a moment, but I want to try to show you the importance of lights. There was a man who was a taxi cab driver. If you're an Uber driver in here, you can say amen. Uh, but there was a man who was a taxi cab driver, and he was um, picked up a man and going through town, and he was going rather fast. And every time, without fail, that there was a red light, he would run the red light. And then the guy in the back started to get uncomfortable, and he's like, sir, you're, you know, you're, you're going a little fast, and you keep on running those red lights. And he said, oh, well, my brother, he's a cab driver, and he runs red lights all the time. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It'll get us to our location faster. But then he started doing something peculiar. At green lights, he would go really, really slow. And he's like, hey, man, listen, the green lights it mean go. You don't have to go so slow. And he said, yeah, but you don't know where my brother's going to be at any given moment. So lights give us direction. I don't know if you're like me and you're hard-headed or sometimes you have sleeping people in the house and you walk through your house in darkness. Sometimes I think I'm so crazy that I do it just to see if I can accomplish what I'm trying to do. Like, can can I just feel around and get to what I need in the darkness to say, I didn't need you, light. Anybody like that? Somebody's laughing, so you're probably like me. You're like, oh, I can find it. I know where it's at. And, and you find yourself bumping into things, hitting things here and there. And then you, and then you finally say, I could have just turned the light on, but I got what I was coming for. Um, we sometimes do the same thing with, with God. Is that we take matters into our own hands, and we don't realize that we're taking it the hard way and stumbling around in darkness. The Christmas story shows us this truth. Uh, when there was darkness in society and there was hopelessness because there was a man on the throne named Herod who killed his wife and killed his own children. And eventually he would cement his legacy in stone by killing every child in his kingdom that was two years old and younger. Could you imagine living in such a time like that? You may not like our president presently, and I'm not going to get political with you because I don't care if you do or don't. I'm just going to say he hasn't killed all the two-year-olds yet. Herod was a horrible, horrible human being. And these men who had potentially a kind of meandering, meaningless job of taking care of sheep were watching their sheep by night until light dawned in the sky. And and there were angels that proclaimed that there is a new Lord in town, and it was Christ the Lord had been born. And they followed that light until they found their way to a manger where there was a little baby that would totally bring hope to the world. Well, we're not done with light yet because there was a man that was struggling with his life and didn't have purpose because he was believing God would would give him something before he died. And it it hadn't happened yet, and he was getting really, really old. 
and his name was Simeon. But then one day when he was at the temple, he saw a young couple and an eight-day-old little baby, and God spoke to him, and he said, that baby is the Messiah. In the story, he goes over to that baby, he grabs that eight-day-old baby in his arms, and he proclaims, this baby is a light to the Gentiles and the glory of God's people Israel. See, light preceded that man's purpose in life, to see the Messiah before he died, and now he could rest in peace. And of course, you know the story. Um, Some wise men that lived in the east see a star in the sky, and and they take the ultimate sacrifice and pay the ultimate price of of saying, hey, we know what that star means, and we're going to take a journey to figure out if if it is what we think it is, because they they knew from, from old, old biblical records, potentially from even the writing of Daniel, that there would be a star in the sky that would herald the birth of the Messiah of the Jews. And so these men travel what must have been, we think, to be about a two-year journey, traveling to escape the heat of the day in the very, very cold desert nights to get to finally Bethlehem where they could see where the star had led them to to a little two-year-old boy who answered the door. I can only imagine after two years and they see a little boy. And and that's the the Messiah that they've been waiting on. And it was there that they, they show us what what wise men still do and what we should do and what is worth every bit of our effort to worship Jesus. And they give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You guys know the story. And they worship that two-year-old little boy because of how glorious and good and faithful he truly is. And so light preceded true worship that day. See, there is a light. In fact, it says this in John chapter 8, and verse 12, I believe, Jesus said this. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. If you find yourself in darkness today, I want you to know that there is a light, that there is hope. Jesus is the light of the world. Now, some of you may say amen to that, at least in your heart, but I want to go one step further with you this Christmas. Because if you do know Jesus, and you recognize that Jesus is the light of the world, and maybe you would even say to yourself, I'm ready to stop stumbling in darkness. God wants to make a transaction with you. He wants to do it today if you need him in your heart and you would love to to say, hey, I'm tired of the darkness that's here. And maybe you wouldn't even classify it as that and you just say, I'm empty inside and I need something more. He's here to shine that light. But once once you've made that decision to say, hey, I'm empty inside and I need light, I'm stumbling. There's a transaction that God wants to do with you, and I think this is the great, uh, a great, great kind of turn of phrasing because, because there's two places in the Bible where it says that something is the light of the world. And, and the first time it will say Jesus is the light of the world, and then Jesus will come along and say in, in John, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, and he will say this, and some of you know it, and so you can say it with me. He will say, you are the light of the world. Well, that's a Christmas blessing. And I, I hope that gets under your skin. I hope that gets in your heart. I hope that gets in your mind. I hope that stirs you in your, in your spirit today from the innermost part of your being. That, that Jesus didn't want to just be the light of the world, but he wanted to put light in you so that you could shine the light and be the answer that this world needs. See, that's the Christmas blessing that I believe God wants to give to each and every one of us. He wants you to be the light of the world. I love this story in Mark chapter 5. This is one of Jesus' miracles where he's feeding the 5,000. And, um, and they, they come to Jesus and they say, hey, 5,000 and more, because 5,000 was just the number of the males, 5,000 people are hungry and starving. This is probably really like more like 10,000. And they need food. 
They need food. Um, and, and they're so far from home, we need to send them now or else they could die along the way or get sick along the way or something like that. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, you feed them. You feed them? Well, you're Jesus. Like, we got Jesus with us. Why do I need to feed them? And then they say, well, if we try to feed them, it'll take so much money that we, like, we'll go bankrupt if we try to do this thing. And, uh, and then Jesus says to them, what do you have? Two questions that I would ask you today. Will you feed them? What do you have? Do you have a good attitude? You can feed people with that. Do you have two hands and two feet? You can feed people with that. Do you have a heart that's still beating red blood? You can feed people with that. Jesus can use each and every one of those things to make a difference in our world if you're willing to yield yourself to his plan for your life. And so he, he says, well, they say after Jesus says, you feed them, and he and then he says, what do you have? They say, well, there's just this little boy here. He's got this little sack lunch. He can't do anything much with that, though, Jesus. And he says, give it to me. Jesus takes it, and you guys know the story. He breaks the bread and starts parting out fish, and then everybody gets a, a McFish sandwich that day. They didn't even have to wait in the drive through line. Everybody gets a sandwich that day because Jesus takes the little that you got, and, and when you put it in his hands, he can do miraculous things with it. You're little, and he wants to make much of it. Because the, the temptation today is just to say, oh, Jesus will do it. A friend of mine had a, a little boy, and he prayed the most Pentecostal prayer you can think of. And some of you don't know what that is, but it will just say the most religious prayer you can think of. So he got done praying, and he said, all right, now you pray, Col Colton. And then Colton looked up, you know, as little boys often do, you know, with their hands cupped and, their, and, and bowed with their knees, and they're so sweet. And they look up to heaven, and he said, God, do everything for me so I don't have to do anything. Amen. Now, listen, none of us pray that prayer, but some of us do that prayer. God, do everything for me so I don't have to do anything. Here's the truth of the, of the Christmas blessing of Jesus Christ, the light of the world, that the light is now inside of you, and you can shine it for all the world to see. That some of the greatest work that God wants to do is not just going to come because God sends a lightning bolt from heaven or God rains money from heaven or, or wherever the case may be, but because God uses people to do some of his greatest work, just like he used that little boy to feed thousands of people with his little old lunch. Think about what would happen if this Christmas you got a heart to do something radical, a heart to do something brave, a heart to make a difference in some of those statistics that I just mentioned to you, and you said, the light of the world is inside of me, and I can do something about it. What a difference you could make. I know it doesn't seem like it now because you're just looking at the statistic, but look what happens when you take things and you put them in Jesus' hands and he does wonderful things with them. I want to sum up just by saying this. The light that is in you is the answer for the darkness of our world. Come on, somebody. The light that is in you is the hope in our hopeless society. The light that is in you is the pathway to true purpose for people who are longing to make something of their life. The light that is in you is, is the key ingredient to true worship. And let me say something about this last thing just in case you're inclined to overlook worship. If that's just the part of the service where the singers sing and I get on my phone. No, it, 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 true worship is one of the most powerful things you will ever know. True worship is one of those things that will awaken your heart. And what I mean by true worship, because I don't have a lot of time to get into it, but true worship was a concern of Jesus. True worship isn't a song. True worship isn't a part of a service. True worship is knowing that you are in the presence of God and that you are with God and that God is with you every single day of your life. 
True worship is truly understanding the worthiness of God. It doesn't happen when a, when a song necessarily comes on. It can, they can coincide. But true worship is being in the presence of God. Listen, that may sound very cliche, very religious, and I don't even know if you maybe even know what it means, but this is what I mean by that. If Christmas tells you anything, is that Jesus didn't want to remain a distant, distant, powerful being in heaven. He wanted to crash the party and come and show you what life was all about by shining the light so that you could have the light inside of each and every one of you. That's what Christmas is all about, guys. In recognition of this truth, perhaps God will even put somebody in your Christmas circle where you need to shine this light this holiday season. So let's do that. And when we do that, we're going to signify this, that we've connected to Christ and his light is in us. And now we're going to share that light. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. For more messages like this one, please check out our channel for past episodes. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing and sharing with friends. For more info about Soma Church, please go to soma-church.com. We love you and we can't wait to meet you in person.